The views and opinions expressed by the Loft Party Podcast panel participants and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the Good Times of Good People Company, the host, or its sponsors. It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times of Good People Company proudly presents the Loft Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Now that you've received your invitation, the best way to let us know that you're in attendance is to download the party or become official by joining us on Facebook, subscribing on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, or Google Play Podcasts. Good. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke, share us with your friends, and make yourself at home. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Uh, first, of course, I've got my returning champion, Chris O'Connor. He's the owner of Liquid Nine Entertainment uh, and Investments, as well as having interest in uh, Rieger Whiskey and Office Works. I've got Big Dave Elliott. He's the owner of CMP Construction. Uh, ben Roberts will be joining us shortly. He is the bartender extraordinaire here at the Pendergast Club. And, of course, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. Uh, so before we get started, um, I am bringing back a segment that was uh, beloved toward the beginning, uh, and that segment is uh, what are we drinking and what are we smoking, uh, and uh, we're going to change it just a little bit, and it is uh, what is our smoke of the day, what is our drink of the day, and today's smoke of the day is a Monte Cristo Classic Series. And uh, the Monte Cristo Classic Series is a special blend of Dominican combinations of tobacco that are bold, rich, and full of flavor. Uh, The legend behind this brand was uh, Dominican and was responsible for growing and maintaining the highest quality of binders, fillers, and tobaccos for this outstanding series of Monte Cristo Classic Cigars. So, um, when Ben gets here, we're going to have him do... Um, what our drink of the day is because he is the bartender extraordinaire. We're not going to deprive him of that um, privilege. Um, But we're going to move uh, right along with our RIPs for the day. Uh, And we had um, we had a a couple this time. We had a a few actually. Um, First um, star of uh, Robin Big um, from MTV, uh, Christopher Big Black Boykin. Uh, he passed at 45. Um, I don't know if anybody out there in podcast land... Isn't that Rob... Um, Rob Deardex, yeah. They would probably know him more from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's who the Rob and Robin Big was. Mm-hmm. and uh, So, before... Uh, Rob Deerdeck had uh, Fantasy Factory or the show Ridiculousness and I believe another show on MTV if I'm not mistaken um, he had a show called Robin Big and and his best friend and partner on the show uh, Big Black um, was his bodyguard but the two of them were just hilarious together and uh and he passed away really young, so um, so I want to send a rest in peace to him. Uh, as you may or may not know out there in podcast land, uh, Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave, 
Uh, he passed away at 52. Uh, also really young. Uh, side note, um, he never knew it, but uh, I worked for Chris Cornell for a, for a little while when I lived in Seattle. Uh, he owned a club called The Rock Candy. And, uh, and uh, I worked for The Rock Candy for a little while. And um, the interesting thing about him is that he hung himself. Yeah. You know, and I, I can't help but wonder some days. You know, they got all these designer drugs out there nowadays. And these guys are on the road and they got different issues and different problems or they're having trouble sleeping like Ambien or make them get up and sleepwalk and there's different things like that. And you wonder if it's just somehow maybe he was taking some of these drugs that prescribed to him by some doctor and it just he whacked out. So that is the story that I heard was that, and I don't know if this is very wrong or different because I didn't read it, I just heard it from a friend. Uh, who was a big Soundgarden fan and all this stuff, but, and I cannot remember the name of the drug to save my life, but it was an antidepressant. And he had actually called his wife earlier in the night. They had just played a show in Detroit and called her when he got back to the hotel and said he had taken more than normal. Uh, you know, a couple extra, you know, because he was feeling kind of blue. And then that's kind of how it went. So there's side effects to all those. Like antidepressants don't necessarily always... Antidepressants can cause depression. It's usually prescribe something else to well, go it's, with it's, it. It's a true guessing game. Like you really don't know which one's going to work and which one's going to work with your chemical makeup and all those things. So in the sad part about it is it takes about six to eight weeks to know if it's even working for you. And... It's bizarre. Like, people think an antidepressant makes you happy. It just makes you not miserable all the time. <laughs> it kind of zones you out more than anything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the definition of an antidepressant working for you. Honestly, I ended up feeling worse when I tried to get healthy, like, because, you know, I have the throat infection every day. I went, I tried for two years to fix it. I spent about $15,000 on just random guesses from doctors. Uh, which were all wrong, and then I went five years with nothing. Then I tried for another two years to fix it, and they put me on so many medications I've never been on meds before, and it has so. ruined so much of my health that it's just beyond belief. And then the act of trying to get off of those meds well, is geez, yeah. harder than yeah, what yeah, it was. So before. he was on Ativan. Ativan, that was the name of it. And he didn't hang himself; he strangled himself. Oof. Well, because they found him on the floor. That's, With that's an why exercise I, band around his neck. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird. So I didn't yeah. know if he hung himself and it snapped or what happened. No, it said he was on the floor with blood um, running from his mouth and the red exercise band around his neck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. God bless him. Hmm. But it's really kind of sad because it said the bodyguard found him and he tried to get this hotel security to let him in his room and they wouldn't do it so he kicked the door in oh good for him and then they his bedroom door was obviously it was in a suite his bedroom door was locked so he kicked that door in so it was just like the hotel. that's a good bodyguard, you know. He's doing he, his job. Right, he doing his job. Oh, tell shit. Said, hey, maybe I'm gonna unlock this for you real quick. Well, they said <laughs> because he was not registered to that room, they wouldn't let him in. Which I totally get to a certain extent, but when you're when you're a known bodyguard for 
for somebody, there should be some exceptions. And if there's a celebrity and you know that, that you're responsible for their protection and security, they, I mean, that should have been established up front and well known, and they should have. That, that's just complete stupidity. Yeah. Honestly, so the they the attempted, hotel. he attempted CPR, but. It's too late. I'm wow. assuming. I mean, it had to be at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. But within, so was it a, was it a, during the middle of the night that they found out? Well, they got done with their um, show. with their show, and he went to the room. Right, and he was there. The security guard was there with him for a little bit. He had given him the Ativan after the show, and left. And that's when he but did and his, he give him more than he normally did. He said two, was, two out of van is okay. what he gave him. Now, whether or is not that normal or not normal. Well, I mean, I mean I it would depend on what your doctor dose gives. You know, you no, mean, I agree. But I some know people that, I know that have taken it take more than one. But sure. I think it depends on. But I know that he called his wife and said that he took more than normal. Well, I mean, it doesn't say that in the report. It yeah. just says that they had a conversation. She was concerned because he was slurring his speech. Right. And she called the security guard. That all, from the time he talked to her to the time the security guard, was less than 30 minutes. So that would have been, yeah, basically immediately. Yeah. So, so he, like, got off the phone with her and, 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 and killed no, himself. When did he be? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it was, I mean, yeah, less than 30 minutes time. Oh, that from, poor woman. That just sucks. Yeah. I know. And, and I, really, I, I really dislike when people get... Angry or any of that stuff. Like suicide is not a selfish act. It's none of those things. I don't. I don't think people understand the mental anguish somebody is going through to perform something like that. Uh, it's usually one of the least selfish things you can do. Your it's just your world has to be so turned I don't know. upside down. I think it is. I personally think it is kind of selfish, but um, I think it's selfish. To not having been well, not having been. To that point in my life, I I couldn't tell you like I can't even fathom how you would be able to end your own life, especially when you have a family. I've seen a firsthand you know? where I had a roommate walk in my room at two in the morning one night with a gun pointed to his head and said he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, and it took everything I could to get him to put it down, and then I gave him a bunch of sleeping pills and knocked him out, and then took him to the hospital and locked him up. And probably the only reason he's still alive at this point is still one of my very good friends. But what you're going through at that moment yeah. is impossible for other people to understand. Well, and I, I, I even, mm, I think other people that have been to that point can understand it. Sure, but, but I think they would all tell you it's probably not a selfish thing and nobody wants to kill themselves. It's just, they just want the, the hurting to stop. And, and I can see that. I, that my my point is that my, the thing that bothers me because it doesn't fit in my psyche is that he, you're quitting. Uh, you're yeah. quitting. It's not. It's you not quit. Like that. You just gave up. You quit. And well, and I think that like that, that all the like my feelings about it, your feelings about it, yeah. are because we've never experienced it. You've never felt hopeless to that hopeless point. to that point. You know what I mean? I mean you didn't because uh, you have never thought about killing yourself. But I've been hopeless. But you've well, never been to the hopeless. point where you think ending that your life that, yeah. is the only answer. Yeah. There, there's a big difference from people that are that are able to kind of push past that and people that don't know how to push past that. No, yeah, I, I, I was taught how to push past stuff 
spots. Well, that, that's awesome, but if but, the pain is so unbearable to you that you literally cannot live with it anymore, because I'm a quality of life person. Right. I do believe in quality of life, and I don't think uh, you're quitting because you reach a point where that's not the quality of life that you want. But if, you, if, if, you, if you're sitting in an alley beside a dumpster and I just shot up, and it's raining, and I got nothing, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, why, yeah, but why, I, but I will, but I will. You know, you, you almost think. I don't say I did think it, but you all think just do another one and I don't have to worry about but it. But you don't have to be in that situation to be suicidal. That's like everybody has a different has a different pain threshold, a different tolerance threshold. Circumstances are different. You can be exceptionally wealthy and, and living in a mansion mm -hmm. and have a shit ton of problems. Well, money doesn't, money isn't does happening. not bring you happiness. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Hey, like, you, but you don't understand what's going on in that person's life. Yeah. That's why well, I'm very guess, slow to say it's a selfish act. Well, yeah. and, uh, so you know, I feel that I, way, I but I, I recognize that. that, you know. I think I, most of the time it's biochemical anyway. You know, so there's very little. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a, I had a co, I had a coworker that was, we didn't even know that she that she was manic depressive until, uh, and she, you know, she was just lovely, you know, just and then one day, um, she she hit a down she hit a down spiral and that was uh, I want to say that was a Thursday or Friday and then and then. All of a sudden, we started getting the texts and the emails and it everything was, else. It was, a, it was during the week. Yeah. Well, we, remember the weather. We saw thing. our light on, and you went to work the next day, and that's like halfway through the day, you guys found out. Yeah, that, and she had killed and you herself. Were like, I just, we just saw her, and well, like, we saw the back of her head at her desk. Yeah. What about <laughs> the weather forecaster at Channel 4? Happy-go-lucky guy. Commit suicide. wife and kids. Yeah, 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 I mean, because we could be on this topic the whole time. It is a difficult but interesting topic. Yeah. We've got one more rest in peace anyway. So, I was taught never to speak ill of the dead, which is the reason that I've kept this particular person in our rest in peace. I thought it's because I talked you into it the other night. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, I actually really thought about whether or not I was going to take this person off of the list or not, uh, but uh, he is no longer with us, and at any time there is uh, a, a loss of life, it is it, it is a tragedy that deserves at least Well, he was an impact respect. person. No, he's and, an impact uh, person, whether you like him or not. You have to talk about impact people. Yeah, That's what we discuss. Yeah, yeah, and that is what we discuss. Yeah, uh, Roger Ailes out there in podcast land, the, the uh, former CEO of uh, Fox News. Uh, he passed away at seventy-seven. So, um, you know, having been uh, kind of imbued in all of the you know, issues that, uh, that he had, um, on his way out of Fox News, you, you still, like I say, you don't want to speak ill of the dead and whether or not you liked him or not. And I personally was not one of those people that liked him. Um, like you say, he was a person who had impact on our culture and, uh, that is 
kind of what we talk about. <laughs> so, um, so I do, I did want to include him in, um, in our uh, rest in peace for this week. Well, every, everybody followed what he had. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he developed very... it. You know, CNN, MSNBC, every single one of them followed his basic formula of what news is nowadays. Whether we like it or not, and most of us don't like it. Because yeah. it's just, it's, it's not, not just Fox. We don't like the other ones either because they've just grown on the same dang way, whatever their subject may be. Whichever side of the fence they decide to play on. Well, even more, it's too I, much information. I think it's well. It, it wasn't information. It was. Uh, in, it was more entertainment. Uh, it became entertainment, which, yeah. which is what. Put it the was. girls in the it dresses. Was, it was opinion shows that they pretend it was news. Yeah. But what I will say is, I find it very possible to admire somebody's professional accomplishments without needing to like them personally. True. I right. wish put them in that category. I think I, you reinvented the way that that news. Uh, if you want to call it news, is is delivered today, uh, and I, I don't mind it at all. Actually, I think it's a, it's far more honest than it was prior to that. Uh, they got rid of all the pretense of not taking a side, and they just said this is our side. You know, yeah. same way that MSNBC does, and they said this is our side. Right. You know, right. and you have CNN who still tries to walk the classic balance to almost no effect at yeah. all, yeah. unless you really want. You know, yeah. some objective journalism, and yeah, they, as objective as journalism gets, can, can or, or, or five-day coverage of a plane going down someplace. Sure, but you know the way that he changed the industry was remarkable, and the fact that he was such an a-hole in real life, I don't mind seeing him go out in a you know inglorious way. That doesn't bother me at all, but. Uh, I, but I professionally, do, I do respect what he did professionally, and yeah. I don't. I would not call it a tragedy. I would just call it another dude dying. Yeah. Hey, you can search for the Loft Party Podcast on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and on our Good Times with Good People YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter, and if you like the content we provide, donate to us on Patreon www.patreon.com forward slash loft party podcast you can find all of our links below and now back to our regularly scheduled program okay and we're back and uh, Ben Roberts he has joined us and as I told you he is our uh, bartender extraordinaire here up at the Pendergast Club and he is going to describe our drink of the day our drink of the day it's made with Rieger whiskey because it's delicious. And it is one and a half ounces of Rieger whiskey, three quarters ounce of a ginger liqueur called Domaine de Canton, three quarters ounce of a hibiscus cordial, and a half an ounce of lemon juice, and an ounce of egg white. Dry shaken and wet shaken, and poured in a martini glass. Delicious. Yeah. What do you mean dry shaking, shaking and wet shaking? Okay, so this <laughs> egg white method was a craze for a while. I mean, bartenders still do it because it's effective. Um, whenever you put egg white in a cocktail, you shake it without ice first to get that whipping of the egg white in the cocktail. So then whenever you wet shake it, which is what it's called, whenever you put the ice in it and actually just shake it, uh, it creates that frothing on the top. And makes it just really silky and smooth. Mm-hmm. Like a gin fizz. Oh, yeah. It's delightful. And what's the drink called? Uh, Come on, Ben. <laughs> you got to name them. 
We'll, <laughs> we'll call that the uh, Prohibition Hibiscus. There you go. There we go. That's a good name. See, I made you think about it. There we go. Thank you. All right, so before we get uh, before we get too deep, let's play a quick part again. So, if your entire life was a movie, what would the title be? And we're going to start. Um, I just go around the table. Uh, trying to remember the last game. Don't start with me because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so. That puts it on Chris O'Connor. No problem. The title would be, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> that would be the name. I was thinking, what the fuck did you just say? That would have been mine. That's tough. Mine's, mine's kind of like an old title. All right. Clint Eastwood movie. It's kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Is that right? Yeah. I'll take it. I've experienced a lot of them. <laughs> I, I will take that. I will take that. Where about you, Ben? War and cocktails. War and cocktails. Good one, Ben. Mm, yeah, that's, that's good. good. That's good. That's good. And, and true. Yeah. And what do you, what do you no, think? No, I really don't know. Yeah. I'm a I really don't know. I'm not going to make you guys sit here and wait. <laughs> I, I can't, you know me, I can't just be like, I have to think well, about But you got that down, though. Yeah, she, she does I'm still have trying to think about what my six words are. And, oh, <laughs> we yeah. talked about that this morning. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I'm about to say, you, now you have to explain the whole six words because you, cause you brought it up, which I was actually going to do. Uh, next name of the movie. Six well, then words. they have time to think about their six words. This is true, but you have to explain the, the six, six words. words. So no, no, no. no. <laughs> so there's a book. Um, While she's looking for that, what are you? Um, yeah, I was just going to say that I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I um, do believe that it will probably be beats booze hmm. in conversation. Um, so there's a book that was put out by um, NPR. It's six word memoirs. Life stories distilled. So you sum up your life in six words. And uh, it's actually is, that's, a, that's a party. That's it's a actually, party game. Yeah, it's actually yeah, kind so of cool. About it for next week. So some of them are like 70 years, few tears, hairy ears, watching quietly from every door frame, Catholic school backfired, sin is in, <laughs> some cross-eyed kid forgotten and found. I mean, it's just you know, born in the desert, still thirsty, a sake mom, not soccer mom. <laughs> so I mean, some of them are funny, but it's a whole book of famous and not famous that uh, people that um, Smith Magazine um, collected and turned into like this little paperback book. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, be so thinking about that for next week. My, that, that will be the party game question for next week. My nephew was introduced to that by one of his creative teachers and my brother, being a pastor, he's always throwing, you know, that's how Mario and I had our, got our tattoos with our values. 
um, that was one of his questions. And he said, what would your, you know, your six words be? So everybody's been. What was yours? Um, I had two. One of them that I cannot remember saving my life right now. Uh, and the other, I say every week. It's a good time with good people. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, so with that. So yes, I've still off and on been trying to think of what my sister's words okay. would be. Everything is like one word too many. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's so, my life in seven words. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're coming back to you for your yeah, movie time? Yes. All right. I could also I go. Answer that I got another week. title for me: Old Carpenters and Old Dogs. Uh, <laughs> right. That would work and for me we, too. We can do that too. All right. So here we go. More party politics. So self-incrimination. <laughs> uh, are we getting closer to impeachment? No. Nope. Takes two thirds. To impeach anybody. There's only been two presidents that were impeached, and that was Andrew Jackson, correct? Mm -hmm. Andrew Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Thank you. Yep. I knew my historian would come through. You're correct. And Bill Clinton. Yep. The only other one that uh, didn't get impeached that would have would have been Richard Nixon, but he bowed out before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's too difficult of a thing to make happen. They just, there just isn't enough play in it to make it happen. Well, and first off, just so everybody knows, impeachment does not mean that you were kicked out of office. It means that you were brought up on, on charges. charges that could potentially kick you out of office. And only Congress can do that. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I, only think, I don't think two, people realize that. And like, only no matter how vote. many <laughs> legal things you think deserve it, Congress has to say, yes, we're going to impeach you. Yes. It's not legal, it's congressional. Yeah. And, and there is there is there is no majority in the other direction to even bring it to a vote right now. Well, and in, to the honest truth is he has every right to fire the head of the FBI if he wants to. He can fire the head of the FBI whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the one who appoints him in the first place. So, yeah. uh, and allows him to stay on and all those things. So, uh, firing Comey wasn't a federal offense, so there's nothing there. Uh, if you're asking if we're getting closer to impeachment in terms of is there a lot more smoke going on around this situation, sure. Yeah. Now they have, what, 10 different special investigations going on, you know, and everybody wants a part of it and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know that we're getting closer to impeachment than we ever were. I feel like he much to my dismay, somehow skates through this and technically gets away with it. Um, but, you know, I, I would love to see it happen. Well, it hasn't been somewhat ridiculous, though, that from the day he was elected, even, there are many people out there going, we need to be impeached right off the bat. No, uh, they and, did the same thing to Obama. I uh, mean, yes, they, they did. <laughs> but this is, I'm not saying that this is a healthy thing. No, it's not. It's not a healthy thing. And this is where we're at right now. And mm -hmm. this is the real, real, real problem behind it is I'm going to get you sucker. Yeah, our republic and, is, uh, is going haywire. I think there's a, a the huge Democrats discrepancy. There's a huge discrepancy between saying, I don't like you and I don't like your politics, so I want you impeached. Yes. Which is not appropriate and I think that would apply to Obama's case right. where there were just a lot of people who just said I don't like your politics I want you impeached and versus 
I think you did something illegal with a foreign government that influenced our election and you colluded to make it happen. And that is a crime. That is a crime called treason, which is the only one defined in the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. And it's punishable by death. So in my mind, uh, there's a part of me that just really wishes they would impeach him, find him guilty of treason, and then just hang him from a tree. But <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to but see But they would never impeach because some any, any time a president gets in trouble, somebody falls on the sword. Well, you're going to see my Flynn do it here. Somebody uh, falls out. on the sword. Flynn already right? decided not to comply with the, with the uh, order that he got to come to Congress. He said he wasn't going to. It's completely the fifth. It's over. He's, no. Eventually you get a subpoena and you go to jail for that. As far as the treason's concerned, don't we have to actually be at war for it to be literal treason? No, not at all. Mm, really? Anytime that you act, whether it's peace or not, uh, uh, peace or wartime, if you act against the interests of the yes. United States, that is treasonous. So, for example, we were not at war when the Rosenbergs were executed. The last people to be executed were treason in the United okay. States. We were not at war at that point. They just gave secrets to the Soviets. I see. <sighs> yeah, I like it. Sorry. It, no, it's just it's a weighty it, subject. No, yeah, there's just there's so much to uh, it. It's just a reality subject, though. I mean, there's, yeah, there's so much to unpack in that. I guess is what is is it's where where my mind was at that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, because first you've got. Um, the whole situation with um, getting rid of the FBI director, like I say, which is in his legal purview. Yep. My issue is whether or not he asked, if he politely asked if Comey would back off the investigation. Still doesn't matter. Because to me, that falls under obstruction of justice. But, but, but Comey screwed up because he would have had to report it. Exactly. And he he would have had reported, and he went in front of Congress and testified, did he not? He, he did indeed. If there was, if there was really a threat that that was an implied, hey, bend the law and kill this investigation, and I feel like this is an obstruction of justice, he should have turned him in at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing so, he broke the law. Is, well, did. wasn't it because he was in the middle of the investigation that he didn't? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. Well, do we know that for sure? Yes. How do you know that for sure? Because because he has, by law, he has to report it. it, it. It's, it's, okay. a, it's a square We're law. We're saying what the law is, but are we saying why he didn't? Nobody it, knows that but him. It, it doesn't, but it, it doesn't matter yeah, now because he can't do anything about it without incriminating somebody himself. With a, just not based on the law. It has to be based on the law. And he should have reported him if he thought it was an impeachable offense. Mm-hmm. And he did not. So, uh, well, why would he think it was a, did he Did he even say that? It, it, it doesn't matter if he did or didn't. He, he didn't turn him into anybody. He would have had a, a constitutional duty to report him. So that that's and they the are sworn under thing. the Constitution to uphold the Constitution. That, that's the entire point. <laughs> I find that hilarious. Well, well it's true. <laughs> that is that is how the law states. You can't state what the yeah, other. Yeah, I get that. But how long has it actually been since our Congress upheld the law on anything? Well, well, you could you could take that on both sides. Of the story. I'm not saying I said our Congress. I didn't say the Republicans. That's a different argument, and it's not the same argument. What I would say is that if it was a criminal offense, he had a duty to report him. He didn't. 
he ended up getting fired. Uh, and he could have been fired legitimately for any number of reasons, including uh, the Hillary leaking the Hillary stuff. Which, 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 which that in of itself said, to me uh, is hilarious. It's hypocrisy to that, the core. That, yeah, that Trump will go, you know what, because of the way you handled Hillary, I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is hilarious. But the Democrats are screaming for it, so now, you know, you got... On a special level. It's, it, the whole thing's more... Can't have your cake and eat yeah, it, it's, it's Nothing, nothing it's yet has become impeachable, but it, yeah. is, it is funny that you, you continually are you like high on lies. Yeah, yeah, like, and I guess that's why I'm, I'm asking the question is whether or not if any one action has risen to the point of impeachable... Like, he's been caught in so many lies since he's been in office that I'm like, at what point do the, does the cumulative amount of lies, people go, you know what, we have no uh, faith in the president. Well, it doesn't matter if you have faith in the president or not. None of them are impeachable offenses. So he wasn't under oath. When he gives a, a press briefing and says, I didn't yeah, Lying disclose, is not an impeachable you know, offense uh, you know, in itself. In, in, intelligence secrets to anybody, you know, or any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want privately. I mean, like he called, I think what he said he was uh, insane or clinically, he basically called oh, calling insane, yeah, yeah, his yeah, yeah. and all He's that a to, job. to the Russian. Yeah, said he was a net job to the Russian ambassador and all this. That's, who cares? You know, that's not an impeachable offense. Yeah. Well, one of the things there, too, is whatever he says is, is always leaked by somebody. Sure. You know, and that's, you can't say anything anywhere in well, government without somebody running to the press anymore. But, well, that is, but that's which, which been going some, on forever. Yeah, but this, that's still a bothersome thing. That's you know what? It's, it's not to me, not in government. Now, in business, in business yes, that's bothersome. In government, if... Your, jo- your job is to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. Wait a second. If you're working for the government of the United States of America, and if you feel that somebody is doing something to undermine the Constitution in some way or, or another, to me, that's like one of your duties as a citizen. Well, so again, you were making the argument uh, against Comey, so he should have. Reported it, and then beyond that, what I would also say is, uh, I I think this is more a reflection on on the news cycle, because if you look at how many there was what one story in the Washington Post that had forty three unnamed sources yes that were quoted. The New York Times followed up. And, I mean that is just preposterous. Well, that's uh, not news at that point. Yeah. That you could, because there's no way to vet vet the information. You don't know why these people are saying it. You have no idea what's going on. Right. Like, listen, I, I dislike a lot of people. I probably talk shit on a ton of people. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, I do it to a reporter and they use it in a story right, right, right. and say he's an unnamed source, well, yeah. Now, I mean, you know what's, in, what's interesting? I was looking, looking at, we were looking at uh, Rachel Maddow maybe a month or so ago. And she was saying how, and at the time, I think the number of sources on uh, stories had gone up to like nine. Or something, and she was saying, "If I have one corroborated source, I'm gonna go. Hell no! But if I have two, that's solid enough to actually air." And I was thinking, 
now we're up to 43 but I'm, sources. I'm asking the 43 sources. If no, I get, I get, no, I get what you're saying. people yeah. of a like-minded ilk as you, yeah, 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 well, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. You just, you know, yeah. you weren't searching for the truth. You just found 43 dudes who are guys who feel the way you feel. Who feel the way you feel, and congratulations. Now you yeah. have a story, and you can say, look how deeply I researched this. I have all these unnamed sources who I won't tell you who they are. But they all feel this way. I That's could, ridiculous. I could find 43 Reddit comments that agree with me. And I could be like, hey, you should find 43 unnamed sources. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can get 43 likes on Facebook for this story. Exactly. This is amazing. Yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> Who likes on Facebook should never be. <laughs> you never be your bar. I feel like it counts as Tell that the last stage. election cycle. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. All right, so uh, what are we thinking about uh, our now new independent investigator, uh, Robert Mueller III? Unanimously confirmed 100%. I feel very good about him. Two, uh, two different... By two different administrations. Yeah, absolutely. Former head of the FBI. Yeah. I think he will be uh, phenomenal. Uh, what I hope does not happen is that Ken Starr was, uh, I believe, unanimously confirmed and, and very well thought of and highly respected at the time and got literally, utterly slammed and degraded for maybe overreaching his but maybe not. Yeah. You know, you don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, these special investigations always make me a little nervous because there's, there's no real rules that can find them or mm-hmm. anything else. But... Uh, at least initially off the bat, I think they found somebody reasonably impartial mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. can be pretty fair and most... Well, clearly, everybody in Congress agreed that he could be pretty impartial and fair. So I feel pretty good about it. The interesting thing is that he may uncover things on both party lines that could really cause trouble for a lot of people. I mean, they, he can uncover things from the from the Clinton campaign involved with all this stuff too. I mean, there's there's a lot of dirt out there. He might come up and, and go and really expose a lot of people. It's possible. It's possible. I just, I just think it would be weird to have a 100% unanimous confirmation of an individual if you thought that you were going to suffer some harm from it. Sometimes you yeah. got to be careful what you wish for. You know, they sometimes these guys come out and they are impartial and they start digging around and they go... Look at that. I'm going after that, too. This is all kind of ties together with this, and that ties together with that. And once you don't have to report to anybody, you're just a complete ideologue. And so you have you can go after whatever you believe is the truth at that point. Yeah. And so you're right. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. It could go both ways. But I think if they thought that there was something that could harm him, you would not have had 100% confirmation. Well, he's, he's, also, he's also up against the machine. Anybody that get in Washington is up against the machine. I mean, you, you look at, like on the Republican side, McCain and Graham and even Roberts from Kansas and these guys that have been in there forever. And then you go on the Democratic side with, with you know, Feinstein and Pelosi and, and on and on, you know, they, Schumer. These guys are the machine. The difference they, are, is, they, they are a political force. The difference is subpoena power. And when you have that, that is very different. That is entirely different. Mm, I agree. And, uh, but you're still up against them. Maybe, but once you can pull a subpoena into play, you have to answer the questions, and that's a different deal. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's just like you don't think Bill Clinton would have just pleaded the fifth all the time or just said, I'm not going to show up to your congressional query on this Monica Lewinsky thing if you didn't have to? 
No, he got subpoenaed. He had to by law testify. And he but but, but how many people have been subpoenaed before Congress recently and nothing came from it? Nothing. They, uh, they go on and talk. When's the last time Congress took somebody and said, okay, you, you've gone too far, we're going to turn this over to the DOJ and Barry Bonds. <laughs> what's, the, what's the last time you heard of that? Yeah, Barry Bonds. Oh, like probably Barry seriously, yeah, probably yeah, seriously yeah. Barry Bonds. Yep, that, that was, <laughs> and, and, and you're looking at that going, really? I mean, that was that was uh, something that was Congress had even been messing with, in my opinion. Well, they actually Congress made it pass a rule to make uh, baseball somehow a protected union. They're one of the only ones that Yeah, yeah, but so. still, why would they even mess them with it? I, it's not that. That should have been handled internally by baseball, just like they did with Pete Wolf. No, they have bizarre constitutional and governmental protection. It's very strange. If you ever look up the history of baseball in, the, in this country, it's protected by Congress as a union, and it's very weird. So but my point is, is real. Because yeah. it's the American... It's the American pastime. It still had nothing to do with it, yeah, in my opinion. They, they may have. But you're, so I don't disagree great. with what you say, but that's, that was BS. BS. All right, so we got one more uh, topic in this section of the show. Um, and I thought uh, this was uh, beyond interesting. And uh, that is Julian Assange. Uh, uh, Sweeten drops the rape charge that's been hanging over his head uh, for years. But um, he still can't go nowhere. He still, about to say, but he still can't leave the Ecuadorian embassy, which is hilarious. Because England's after him, the United oh, States is after him. Exactly. I mean, these people, he cannot walk out. He was a prisoner yeah. in his own place. Yeah, if he leaves, he leaves over the balcony too long. Somebody's gonna snatch him down. It wasn't his only crime. I mean, he's, no. he's done many things. This is just one. I know. Yeah. I I found it hilarious when they had his mom on TV talking about how he gets no exercise and it's just not fair. Yeah, that's a good question. Gets no exercise? I missed yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? That's, that's what you're going to go on TV and talk about? How he just is so horrible that he's cooped up wait, wait, in this wait, small wait, wait. little place. My baby no doesn't get any fresh air. You're yeah. telling me at the Ecuadorian embassy in, 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 in England that they don't have a workout room. He can't even go out and take a walk. No, no. But that's, but that's how... That's oh, they got a gym in there. You tell like, me that there's not a workout in room in the Ecuadorian embassy. There's workout yeah. rooms in oh, all these embassies. There's a gym in there. I'm like... Um, if your if your son wasn't getting exercise, he wouldn't still be thin. Yeah, yeah, it's so ridiculous. But he's still allowed to get press conferences and everything else. Yeah, I know. Like, I, suck really bad. Yeah, I'm like, this is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will equate this to a, a similar case, which I think you can do pretty easily, which is Roman Polanski, mm. which uh, I wish Sweden, Jesus, Sweden did not drop. The rape charge only because mm -hmm. it's the same reason that the United States has never dropped the case against Roman Polanski is you're not allowed back in our country. Mm. Stay the hell out of here. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. You well, know, if you step foot in here, we will prosecute you. Yeah, yeah. Did you they say that they couldn't get enough information? They couldn't pursue it any further. Yeah, right. I think it was a waste of, of resources and time. I just wish they had left it on the books. Yeah, and as just an open an open case and not devoted resources to it anymore. And just said, "Listen, stay the hell out of out of our country." Right. I know what's going to happen. Tom Cruise is going to show up in a helicopter and they're going to airlift him off the top. <laughs> Mission Impossible. That's what's going to happen. Only it's going to be Tom Cruise, but it'll be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be somebody. Jeez. 
Alright, with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey out there in podcast land, we would not be doing our duty if we didn't acknowledge the sponsors of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Jazz Club, and the Majestic's Pendergast Club. The Majestic carries on Kansas City's tradition of great food and jazz. Let them show you why they are the classic Kansas City Steakhouse experience. 931 Broadway, just three blocks from the Kansas City Convention Center. Jay Rieger and Company, a Kansas City distillery. Whether whiskey, gin, or vodka, neat or on the rocks, Jay Rieger, Kansas City, sipping good since 1887. CP Construction, Kansas City's premier wood framers, 50 years of quality framing and craftsmanship. Just email david.cnpservice at gmail.com and start building something new today. And our friend and frequent guest, Lane Boland. Thank you all for all that you do. Time to rejoin the conversation. And we're back. So, uh, a couple more things that uh, I wanted to uh, touch on, kind of quickly anyway. Um, So the FCC votes to begin the rollback of uh, net neutrality regulations. And I thought thought about... um, what we're doing right now, uh, you know, putting out a net product. Uh, I know you have to deal a lot on the net. And nope. So I thought that we would uh, maybe have an opinion or two. How about, about starting off this with the old carpenter? Ah. Explain net neutrality to me to start off because I really don't totally Ben, ben has his hand up. It's, 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 it's complicated, but in, in very... Simple terms. Um, That's good. I'm a simple man. Say you have an internet service provider, right? And you also have a product on the internet that directly conflicts with the service that said internet service provider provides. Like, say, if Netflix had their thing and then Comcast and Tamar were trying to offer a service similar to compete with them, which yes. they are, which they are, they can throttle their data and make it so everybody who's trafficking said sites uh, experiences incredible slowness and it damages the product in which they are trying to uh, put out on the internet. Exactly. So what it allows you to do is say, well, we're going to slow down Google, but we're not going to slow down Apple. So here we go. So now all of a sudden you're paying uh, internet providers who are doing nothing but delivering data over pipes uh, to say, okay, make me equal with everybody else or make me faster than everybody else and that kind of stuff. Ah. It's, it's ridiculous. To sort of put a parallel to it, that it would be as such if KCPNL had interest in a uh, one of your competitors or was doing business with them, they, they could like throttle your electricity and say you only get this much power. Well, I'll give you a, the, the real life example would be uh, AT&T. Mm-hmm. So uh, through Uverse, they have uh, they bought DirecTV. And so they deliver cable to a ton of homes, and it's in their best interest to provide uh, DirecTV content, which is exclusive to them, uh, into individual homes. And the way you would make it more advantageous for you is to say, well, what I'm going to do is cripple Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon so that my DirecTV content comes through fast, clear, 4K, beautiful, and nice. But, hey, you other guys, if you want that same kind of service, 
then you need to pay for it. My mom and dad have that issue because they have, uh, I believe they have direct TV. Mm -hmm. yeah, it does. might be Dish, but I, I don't I think it's direct TV, though. Um, they can't get Netflix to work correctly. And that's part of the other yep. problem is that you're seeing these bundled packages of stuff where they're screwing over some of these other providers because it's just consolidating so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just kind of a monopoly in a way, but not. Well, you only have you only have a few providers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you only have a handful of actual. So that says on here. A widely cited example of the violation of net neutrality principles was when the internet service provider Comcast was yep. secretly slowing, aka throttling, through Xfinity, um, uploads from peer-to-peer -peer file sharing applications by using uh, forged packets. Comcast didn't stop blocking these protocols like BitTorrent until FCC ordered them to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, strangely... Uh, it says AT&T was also caught limiting access to FaceTime. Yep. You know what? I'm kind of glad I don't understand this. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay there. <laughs> All I'm concerned is that can I get a certain TV show on my TV? So here's the argument. But that's the thing. I know, if but the I... TV show is provided by somebody that is a competitor to who you're getting your cable through... They, if they don't have this in place, then your company has the option to. But all I want to do to is go through and scroll until I see something I like. I mean, we probably watch maybe seven, eight channels. My wife and I, the National Geographic. We did watch Spike the other night and caught cops. So you know, I'm checking to see, <laughs> checking to see if you know. Every once in a while, I see somebody I know that worked for me in there, and when they're doing Kansas City, make sure I didn't have okay, any my employees show up recently. But while this doesn't affect you greatly, my generation views media. Oh yeah, I agree. Asset, and this hurts that incredibly. Oh, I agree. It, it does. I work, agree. But the argument on the other side, which is a legitimate argument, is if if you are a network provider, and there are like a Netflix requires an enormous amount of bandwidth mm -hmm. to deliver their product, versus you know like our okay. site or somebody else's normal site doesn't require hardly any bandwidth to provide, sure. you know, and so, and, and that's always been the argument from them, and so it's less, they would make the argument, if you're AT&T, you're making the argument, well, different providers hog certain resources that we have to pay for, you know, and so that's not necessarily fair. We're having to improve our network so that Netflix is delivered better, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me either. So there's, and, and while I'm all in favor of net neutrality, and I believe that that okay. is the only way to go. No, this is important. That's it's what is what is true on true on the other side is you're paying for the backbone so that your competitors well, can be delivered at a fair rate. Technically, to, uh, your subscribers answer. are paying for your upgrades because all that's going to do is cause you to raise your rates. Well, no, if you have Uverse. Netflix isn't paying you anything. No, but you're you saying... You can access it anyway. You're what I'm saying, saying is Netflix, that Netflix is a major bandwidth hog. Right. So you're saying whatever provider you have has to update their system they to... Do. Okay, so that isn't... They're not paying for that. They pass that to their customers. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is Netflix is only a content provider. So they can say, hey, guess what? We're now delivering 4K movies. This is great for us. Right. Awesome. Do you know how much bandwidth it takes to deliver? Okay, but we're still... You're, so so we're what saying. I'm saying is, Netflix isn't the one delivering the product. 
It actually has to go from Netflix's servers, which are actually hosted on Amazon, which is strange. But I get what you're beyond saying. that, it requires a network upgrade to be able to deliver that content I get that. in a reasonable way that AT&T or Time Warner or whoever else is paying for. So well, I, I, I see you're not saying you're not you're not condoning it, but you, you're, you're saying you understand. I, I, I do get it because I, when I was working at Sprint and you had limited bandwidth, there were people who would hog the bandwidth, you know, and, and that's that's a very difficult thing. When you're out there and you're inventing new movie sites and all this kind of stuff, and now you can deliver 8K, 10K if you really wanted to, although there's no TVs on the market that would right. show that. But you know it'll get there. That requires a network infrastructure upgrade in terms of billions of dollars. I, and I get that. What I'm saying is they'll recoup their loss or whatever they have to pay by raising their rates. It all gets paid. So yeah. you're saying that all, so the, the answer is that AT&T just needs to start charging all No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm not saying that. That's, that's what the I'm saying answer. is when, if they have to pay for some kind of upgrade, Obama, it's not like they're just going to eat that. They're, they're going to raise Right. I don't necessarily think that that's the answer either, but that's what would happen. But the argument is that Netflix is paying nothing to any of the providers for bandwidth. They just have a service that they provide, Mm -hmm. which they can, again, they can start delivering 8K files if they want to right now, you know, and the bandwidth providers have to somehow they, find a way to do There has to, to be some happy medium, and I don't, nobody's even well, talking about there that. Is, there, in that case, you have uh, tiered packaging and what sort of internet you want to have in your home. For instance, if I want to pay you know, for Google Fiber, the gigabit internet, that would easily handle the bandwidth that any of these Netflix programs offer. It won't. Not, really? not when you start doing really serious, high-level video stuff. Okay. It won't. Okay. And we are already outgrowing gigabit stuff right now. What happens yeah, is we're every, time you, keep up. every time you incrementally increase the capacity of the network, but the then people come and say, great, then I can start delivering But the better. difference yeah. between yeah. Google Fiber and Time Warner or what, Spectrum and Comcast, uh, Google Fiber is dedicated to you, the person paying for it. Time Warner or Comcast, sure. they share bandwidth between homes and, and, and areas. Right. So, yeah, there could be tiered packaging. But, but what, what that doesn't mean is that what the problem is that Netflix isn't paying for that. Mm-hmm. Netflix is the, comp- is the content that you're watching. So you're calling up Netflix on your you know, laptop or whatever, even your TV device, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And that's hogging so much bandwidth because Netflix can start going, all of our movies, again, are 8K, 10K mm-hmm. format. You know, crystal clear, the best video resolution we have. Because don't don't think it's just uh, the bandwidth that's increasing at the same time. It's also the quality of the video and right. the size of the video and everything else is well, going on. Well, now you've so, got Amazon doing their own programming and Hulu well, they do, they do and Netflix. 4K and, stuff now. Yeah. I mean, like Amazon Fire does 4K. Is well, that delivers it. That requires a network that can deliver that content to you in a reasonable fashion to you as a consumer. And they're not the ones paying for it. It's... Again, the mm-hmm. the ATTs and the spectrums and like you know all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm <laughs> I'm all in favor of net neutrality. Well, I'm, 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 hold on, hold on, what's that? Different model. I'm, la- I'm laughing because I'm, I'm I'm watching Big Dave's Big Dave's head <laughs> about to explode over here, <laughs> trying to trying to follow this conversation. 
uh, before I before I go to the next uh, next topic. I got one quick question before we go on. I just don't. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily. I got one quick question. I think it's pretty simple. Yes. To understand, there's a political component that this government's done this. So, the Obama administration did something. They they pitted net neutrality. No, no, no. There there never was net neutrality. Right. I mean, they, we've had the neutrality the entire but time. But they did something before he left office with, or somebody did. With, I with, think it with was this. before Obama's. I, mean, yeah, I think it might have been Bush. And so, yeah. This, yeah. so yeah. now it's the Trump administration now, the FCC under the Trump administration has now done something. Right. What they they're proposing to is to... They want to take to regulations to off. Right. Right. They want to allow... And is that providers. good or bad? That's bad. bad. That would be bad. Okay. That would be bad. But it's also... In a weird way, a broken model that doesn't work. Yeah, it was on, 2004 on when the when the for, when Comcast. Who was under Michael happened. Powell? Who was yeah. uh, Colin Powell's son? Who was the head of the FCC? Yeah, yeah. but it was 2004. Right, was when the first case came up about, about um, somebody doing that. Right, and why they even had to discuss it. So it was during Bush. Okay. Then it came to a major public eye whenever they were trying to pass SOPA. Right. Okay. So that was a yeah. huge. Huge thing. All yeah, right, I'm good. It's extremely I'm good. Important okay. My head still hurts, but I'm good. All right. All right. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, move, <laughs> we'll move forward past net neutrality to something hopefully a little lighter. Um, at 110.5 million, uh, Basquiat's uh, painting, a Basquiat painting, becomes the priciest ever sold uh, by a uh, U.S. artist. Um, so, uh, I've heard from a few people that they felt like that was just wildly, uh, wildly expensive and wildly overpriced. And, uh, but as an artist, uh, and, and really as an artist of any type, um, the one thing I have learned about art of any type is... It is as valuable as the consumer base thinks that it is. Um, so, and somebody thought it was worth one hundred and ten point five million. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if you think about, um, I think one of the one of the things is not that paintings haven't sold for this or more, for that matter. Uh, it's this is the first American artist that has ever sold for that mm-hmm. much. Um, so I think this is why uh, this got attention. But you know, it's funny. Yeah, I do want to say that um, that in in an odd way, uh, hip hop has something to do with the fact that Basquiat oh, is worth the kind of money he's worth now. Um, Basquiat was truly the first painter. That was of the hip hop generation. You know, he was actually in. Uh, he did graffiti on walls. Uh, he, he started. Start. He started from graffiti, and uh, and Blondie um, uh, had Basquiat in a music video. You know, her one of her first videos, and when she was going five five pretty things, everybody's fly. Like, and she's walking through this maze of people. One of the people she stops and kind of talks to and gives high fives to, or whatever, is Basquiat himself. And um, in the past five years, six years ish, we've had a lot of um, yeah, a lot of rappers in particular who have 
um, coming to there's a certain there's a certain type of wealth, and when you get to um, uh, art wealth, you know, like your past cars, your past jewelry, your past uh, designer clothing, uh, th then you start actually having wealth. Then people start buying art because art doesn't depreciate the way everything else does. Um, and one of the things that well, you spent 110 million on it. Yeah, well, well, I'm looking at uh, <laughs> that's what, that's the be seen. list of the highest price paintings ever sold, yes. and the highest one adjusted for inflation was at 303 million. And it, it originally, when it was sold, was 300 who, million. Who was the artist? Uh, Kooning. When was it sold? It was sold in uh, 2015. Hmm. So, like, so that's why I say, in the grand scheme of what art costs, um, it really wasn't that expensive a painting. Uh, well, it's exorbitantly expensive, but uh, if you're somebody who can afford that type of collection, then yeah. It's probably not, you know, it, it, like Jay-Z famously rapped on one of his lyrics, uh, you know, you know, that he has a, you know, Basquiat hanging in his kitchen and he tells his baby girl, you go ahead and touch that. It's yours, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I, I think with, you know, like the, the Jay-Z's and Beyonce's and Kanye West's of the world actually starting to... to uh, be old enough and wealthy enough to actually rap about these types of things in their songs, the general public has taken more of a notice to an artist like Basquiat or uh, Banksy or something like that. And uh, There what, are 27 uh, paintings that sold for more than Basquiat's. Yeah, that's what I say. It's really not well, exorbitantly expensive yeah. in that world. Well, to say in the entire history of art, there's only <coughs> seven that have sold for more. Yeah. It makes it exorbitantly it's, expensive. It's, yeah, like it's not it's, a it's cheap. It's not like art was invented like five years ago. No, <laughs> it is an elite group. Yeah, it's a quite, quite an elite group. But you can group. go out to Wikipedia and uh, it says list of most expensive paintings. And it sure. has what they sold for, what the, what the inflation rate was. And, and, you know, who so bought it, who sold it, who painted it. Yeah. Yeah. But even, I mean, you know, adjusting for inflation, that uh, Kooning um, painting was still the most expensive. At, at 303 million, 300 million, when it's not worth it. So, the thing that, the only thing that bothers me slightly is, and I don't know who, what, who the buyer was or what they're going to do with it, but... It used to be that you would have private collections that you would put on display in mm -hmm. museums so that everybody right. could enjoy them. That, that it, bothers me, it, too. That, yeah, I mean, now these people are just hanging these people. in their home. Yeah. yeah, and that's what really bothers me. I'm like, hey, congratulations on having the money, but at some point, I mean, in have a little civic responsibility. Well, yeah, well now, I agree with that. not even display them I, in their home. They I put do. them in a crate, and they some put them in a special yeah. room, and you never see them again. Yeah, and there are some people who invest in art for as an investment, so, yeah. and that's... You know, I guess that's your right to do, but art is such a, you know, yes. such a publicly visual medium yes. that I would love to see, again, like, we, we have uh, one of the wealthiest private art collections here in Kansas City in the United States. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's stunning. The Nelson Atkins Museum is absolutely stunning, and if it's not the number one privately held art museum, art collection, it's private. right up there. Like the Gothros uh, and the Blocks and, absolutely. And, all, and all the private collections that they yeah, have. They've done well, and this let's, tells not, you, let's not forget the it's Tom It's interesting to see who sold service. and who bought. It's public service. Who sold and who bought the paintings? Because some of them are. People see, one in thing this that country. a lot of people may not oh, know. Sold them. Crosby Kemper was good friends with Thomas, mm-hmm. and my wife's account was the Benton account when she was at the bank. Mm-hmm. So when Thomas died, Crosby went to the vineyard and packed up all the artwork and took it and put it in the vault at UMB. A lot of it's still in the vault at so UMB. It looks Jesse, like... Jesse Benton doesn't have control over all that art. Sure. And it's kind of interesting, all the stuff my wife told me about this and how it all played out. And it's, it's, it's a rather interesting deal. There are a lot of in my, in my former resources. life, I found out that cocaine was God's way in telling me I had too much money, and <laughs> I kind of I kind of relate the art to some of these people that maybe it's telling you you have too much yeah, money. A little too much. <laughs> what what I do think is that if you do it in the, in the sense of because there are so many privately held art museums, yeah. uh, and the paintings often rotate between all of them, mm-hmm. and it's really nice to so get them for a while. Yes, yeah, and then you move to another city. Oh, you're right. right. So, so do you I know who the bought the, the Basquiat? Do you know? Oh, no he's idea. a Japanese businessman. Billionaire. He, really? 3.6 billion. He's U.S. worth 3.6. He's the 14th. Um, most the wealthiest person in Japan, fourteenth wealthiest person. Yeah, he in wouldn't Japan. even come close to being the wealthiest in Japan. He is. Fourteenth right richest yeah. person in Japan. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that doesn't make you number worldwide. One. That doesn't that high. What? I mean, number one is is what Carlos Slim at eighty oh. plus billion dollars. So it's Yusaka. I'm not. M- not Mais- saying you're Mais- not exceptional. Well, Mais- yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. I don't know my J- Japanese, yeah, but really? Saka is his first name. Right. Yeah, you can take a tenth of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear that. All right. So with that, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www. AmericaTheMixtape.com, a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. All right, so we're back, and we are now talking about uh, Trump says. We don't have health care in this country. So, uh, <clears throat> so when I saw this particular quote, um, my immediate thought was, what, what the fuck? And I thought that maybe this group <laughs> might want to talk about that just a, just a little bit. Uh, uh, and I will jump to uh, Chris and what what are we what are we thinking about? Uh, I will say I am a proponent of more organized and national health care, uh, and not necessarily single payer, but more options. 
I've said numerous times that we should sell across state lines and make it a more competitive industry. But I do think uh, the, the solution is going to be is going to have to eventually be a bipartisan compromise that allows you to be more competitive, be a national player, um, and make it more affordable while mitigating your risk, because that's what insurance is. But at some point, you also can't kill innovation, because we are one of the most innovative medical countries uh, in the world, as we should be. True. Uh, and a lot of that is because, you know, we, it comes back to you in the form of your insurance payments and stuff. But uh, I just hope at some point insurance is insane. It's, it's just insanely expensive. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't have health care. It's that the health care we have is unaffordable, inefficient, uh, not run correctly um, on any level. And I don't care if you're a hospital or if you're an insurance provider or if you're the, the government. It's not affordable, efficient, and most of the time it doesn't actually even work. You know, so you're saddling Americans with enormous bills that they can't pay, and that is the cause of a ton of debt, which is crippling this economy. Yeah. That is my exact opinion. I hold that opinion to a D. No, I should let you go. No, no, you <laughs> said it much uh, better than I would have, so. I doubt that. I just completely I take another one of those drinks. I've stated before as a businessman you know I'm always trying to find solutions for myself and my wife and my employees and Chris is spot on this this has to stop being a a partisan issue and start becoming a national issue where everybody gets off their god dang high horse and quit worrying about their own god dang selves here's something interesting as we talk about our government I wonder I'll be interested to see a survey at how many of our Congress's people and our senators have ever had to go out and purchase health care for themselves. Probably pretty close to zero. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have so, that one congressman that's like, I was on Obamacare and it was horrible or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, bullshit, buddy. You were on some version of yeah, Obamacare. I, 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 their own special health care. Yeah. Yes. How can we expect our, our elected representatives to really get down to the dirty deed of, of getting something done that's good for the people? I mean, that's all, all you can do is bang on and bang on and bang on. But I, I, I don't see in this in this partisan landscape that we're in now that these people can do it because it's either my way or the highway. Well, we've talked to we being Mario and I have talked a lot about how um, whatever Congress decides is good for us, they should have to follow those. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it, you know, I don't think that they should be allowed to vote on their own rules. You'd find 90% of the public would agree on that, I would say. And mm-hmm. more, I would be more curious, not not asking how many of them have ever bought, had to go out and buy their own insurance, because we already know the answer to that. I think it's more, I would be more curious to know how many of them have actually talked to their constituents. Because most of them, what they believe and what their base believes isn't the same thing. No. And it, it's... But do they care? That, that's... Well, and to me, it's... You should know what your elected officials believe in. And you should vote according to, you know... if You need to find out. You can't just be like, well, they're the Republican and I'm voting for the Republican. You know, it's... It, 
Or vice versa. Even, yeah. If you're mm -hmm. not even paying attention to to their voting policy, to the things that they have, the bills that they have put up for... I'm losing my words. Well, Nancy Pelosi said it best that nobody read Obamacare, but they know they needed it. But what I would... The trick, the trick in what you're saying is very is, is an elusive one. So you can have two schools of thought, and it's hard to know which one is right. So in one case, you feel like people elected you because of what you said you believed in, and so that's you know what you go with because they, you need to trust your instincts and what you ran on, etc., your platform. The other one is I represent my constituents, and so I kind of need to get the pulse of what they're feeling and see and vote however I feel like my state would vote. Mm -hmm. Those are separate things. Those are very separate things, and I think but they're, I don't think they're that both they should be. They're both legitimate schools yeah. of thought, and yeah. I understand that you can't pull everybody on every question and see what's going on. But what I do think on healthcare is everybody knows it's broken. It is such, such a broken system. And we are one of the worst countries in the world with our healthcare system, and yet we're the richest country in the world, and we can't even get this right. This is where it becomes embarrassing. This is where special interests have taken over. And, yep. and what you're saying is absolutely true. There's just too many dollars behind not fixing a broken system that makes it impossible to make healthcare affordable. And I think if you look back at the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, this clearly falls under the life category to mm -hmm. me of being able to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't excuse you from making poor choices in your life. You know, like, yeah. like for God's sakes, I'm drinking a, you know, a drink and having a cigar right now while we're talking. But at the same time, I'm like... But you're affecting you. I, you're not affecting what I am thousands saying is that of other people. I am if we're all grouped together uh, in in a group, which is what insurance policies do is they make mm -hmm. a group and they mitigate the risk and they have actual real tables to say, amongst this group, here's how long you're going to last. Well, if you start putting unhealthy people, a lot of unhealthy people, which is what happened under Obamacare, into these groups, because yeah. the insurance companies were all in favor of Obamacare, turn, turned out, well, shit, well, these are the most they, unhealthy they people did, in the world. Not the one thing. The cost of, of the, treatment, treatment went way up. But right. one of the biggest things that they did was they also approved the staying on your parents' health insurance until you're 26. But that should have been a so, good to me, it should be, if your company offers insurance, you should have to, to do that. If they don't, then no. you can stay on your parents' insurance. You should insurance. be able to get the best insurance that you want. If your company offers it, and we did offer it to everybody at 100%, uh, we covered all their insurance bills. That doesn't necessarily mean that I could be what their parents had, because maybe their yeah. dad worked at GE and they were covered way better off than we were, because that's a much larger larger pool. You know, and so yeah. you should be able to get affordable health care with no restrictions that goes across state lines with tort reform that minimizes punitive damages or at least takes those punitive damages that are just outrageous. And that should not go to the individual. That should go into, uh, you know, a collective fund that goes back out. Mm -hmm. Because just because you smoked your entire life does not mean that you deserve $3 billion because you got cancer and died. You know, that everybody yeah. knows the smoke is bad. You should get the actual damages, not the punitive damages, and reform. It's like what Comp set up. Smaller percentage of them. Um, exactly how Workman's Comp set up. But then you got, you got the look, I mean, again, I come from a family of lawyers. 
the lawyers on these cases take one third. They take thirty three percent of, of Off the, the top. Exactly. And the so tri- that that's why the trial lawyers will never say. ever go for this. And, and they well, are and that, that is one of the biggest to, democratic you, lobbies. Yeah. So this is why Obamacare, I believe, failed was for two reasons. One, you couldn't go across state lines. And again, secondly, you never did anything about tort reform, which is why so many um, hospitals and doctors and everything require test after test after test after test to make sure they don't get sued for malpractice because insurance is unreasonably mm-hmm. high on it mm-hmm. uh, and because everybody wants to sue. Really so there's, there's responsibility on both sides. Well, and that, it's not just, we are a society of, you hear it all the time. Our, our president is just as bad about it now. How many times have you heard him say, I'll just sue you, you know? I mean, it... They don't have any, let's sit down and talk it through, or, you know, it's just immediately. Okay, well, no, they I'm, can't be the uh, podcast. That's why they I'll need to be the podcast. My brother used to uh, work at Kansas City Life, and the amount of false claims from people that were taking them out in people that had already died or you know, mm-hmm. this person already has cancer, now I want a life insurance policy, blah, blah, blah. Those, those things are ridiculous, and people do it all the time. Yeah, and we, we sit here and act like the government sucks, but people are really cool and they it's, want to it's do the right thing. No, well, the government <laughs> is made up of people. I mean... No, 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 hear me, hear me out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of con, artist, con artists and just crappy people I, I out there. I agree with that. Trying to take advantage of a system. Yeah. And what happens is anytime you set up a system, the first thing you try to do is, is figure out is how to get around yeah. the system. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've I, 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 I wrestled with this one. Uh, and I do think, I think the only way to truly reform the system is that everybody has to utilize the system. So Congress, the president, everybody has to be using the same system. Then we'll see actual, but we'll see actual reform when, you know, the Congress and the Senate has to use Obamacare or use Trumpcare versus they're making rules for everybody else, but they have some of the best health care in the land, and, and that's they just and it. they don't have to pay for it. Exactly, no, we so, are paying for it. Exactly. Let's not forget that it's not government money; it's tax. Yeah, it's taxpayer money. money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I would that's exempt, where it gets. I would they get president. skewed. Okay, okay. I, would I mean, it's a little bit hard. It's not like you can just go out and yeah. find your doctor. No, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah. And his but congressmen and congressmen. They're, they're, they're uh, who's yeah. living in the White House. Yeah, yeah, living in the White House family. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just. To yeah. be perfectly fair, like, most people think the president just makes a ton of money and do whatever he wants. And no, he he just was $120,000 or something like that? Yeah, no, it's yeah. more than that. They raised it. Maybe 300 but still. Closer there and but they still have to pay for all the dinners, all the food, all the mm-hmm. stuff that comes yeah. through. Like, you don't get rich by being president until you leave being president. Do you leave? Right. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and they don't, but, they're, I mean, they're not even allowed to keep the gifts that they get. Not, no. like, it all goes into an archive. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Or it's supposed to. Exactly. I'm sure some may disappear at some point. <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure really good ones are yeah, 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 Exactly. I can't remember where I put that gun, and that's really strange. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so before we uh, before we get out of here today, um, I'm adding a new section to the show, and that section is the sugar honey iced tea, or things that uh, I or maybe a member of the panel uh, find that are really cool, or the shit. Um, so today, uh, so I'm challenging everybody during the week. Um, uh, keep your eye out for things, that, and it could be a thing. It could be literally like I saw this really, really freaking cool pair of shoes, or uh, some device, or whatever. Um, but I'm going to start it off with um, last night's uh, Billboard Awards, Billboard Music Awards. Uh, Drake happened to break the record for the most Billboard Awards won in any one show. Uh, uh, it was formally held by Adele at 12, if I'm not mistaken. And Drake won 13 Billboard Music Awards last night. So he hmm. now has the record. So whether or not you are a fan of Drake or not is uh, not important to this discussion. But the fact that uh, he is now uh, a record holder uh, in the Billboard Music Awards. Did you say that you saw something about he's been on oh, yeah, every yeah. week for eight years eight, in eight, some capacity? He's, he's been on the charts nonstop for eight years. I wonder what it compares to Pink Floyd. Because Pink Floyd's uh, album, their big album, and I'm not a Pink Floyd fan, so I figure what it is. But it was on the charts for something like 25 years in the Billboard Top 200. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I can't remember what it was. (laughs) Old Big Dave and and my beautiful wife actually watched the Billboard Awards Ah. for the better part of an hour. Okay. I made Mario turn it. I couldn't deal. It was it was painful at times for us. Uh, the opening act with Nicki Minaj. Yeah, her the the I Nicki said, Minaj um, melody. Yeah. Wait, we changed. Is what that when the? you turned it on? Because yeah. I'm like, if this is my option, turn it back to whatever it was you were watching. Oh yeah, before. oh yeah, we were watching the uh, the uh, Bernie Madoff movie, oh. and uh, and she was like, okay, this is too heavy. So I flipped. I was it getting to, annoyed. I was getting annoyed, and yeah. I needed to not be annoyed on a Sunday night. Yeah. So I was <laughs> flipped. So I flipped it to the Billboard Music Awards, and they were in the opening Nicki Minaj medley, and she was like, "If this is my option, please turn it." Thank you, thank you, this female, because I'm my wife and I are watching this, going, "This is truly bad. The, the this is really, really, really bad." And this is the opening act. It's just like we, we get to thinking to ourselves. It, it has truly passed us by. We, we do believe that the music that came more out of our generations was music. And there was so much stuff that was sang there by some of the girl artists and everything else. It was just yeah. horrible. I mean, it was just, there's nothing I will say this, because uh, I've had this conversation with... Uh, many a person, most of which who either uh, produce or uh, are artists themselves over over the past several years, um, I've made a distinction in my mind um, to just let some things go. 
I remember growing up and you were at a family gathering and all of the young people would sit around and you'd have conversation with the older adults for a little while. And after a while, we'd almost all in unison get up and we'd go downstairs in the basement and we'd hang out together and they'd hang out together. And what I think has happened is um, we're all sitting in this collective digital community. And uh, so there isn't the kind of separation that there used to be because I remember, you know, growing up, you know, my parents and grandparents didn't understand rap music. But, uh, you know, they thought it was cute and cool that we knew all this stuff and we knew all these dances. And from time to time, you know, they'd say, oh, come up here and show us that dance. Because they understood it wasn't for them. And uh, and they let young people have young people's stuff. And so I've kind of put myself back into the mind frame of some of it isn't for me. You know, like... I, the anonymous female's daughter just graduated from high school and some of the stuff she's doing and some of the stuff she's listening to uh, now I might get it because I'm a musician myself but uh, most people my age are probably going what the hell is that you know and it, it made me remember there was a time that what the hell is that meant that's just not for me that's for those young people and let those young people have their young people's but, stuff but I like Nicki Minaj I just that was just like what the hell is going like it's not even her it's well, the it was, production of the the shows it now it was horrible like you it's, Thank like you. I, I the, these shows <laughs> now the, the music show the award shows they're just I am like what are you guys thinking and I guess to your point, yes, they are going towards a younger audience. Yeah, going towards, well, I, I, and I get that. But I also noticed that Drake is this clean-looking, clean-dressed dude. Yes, you know he projects a different image compared yes. to so many of these other yahoos out there. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Drake, he, he acts, from he acts like a, he <laughs> acts like he acts like he's a pro. Well, the, the, I, think the biggest, I think the biggest difference with, uh, like I say, once again, whether you like Drake or you don't like Drake, I think the biggest difference with Drake is, uh, and I think a lot of people tend to forget, is that Drake is not American. He's Canadian. So since he didn't grow up, you know, he didn't grow he his father's American. His father's from Memphis. But he didn't grow up here. You know, he grew up in Toronto. So... His view of music, his view of the world is very different than a black person that grew up on Southside Chicago. So the kind of music he makes and the image that he portrays, you know, he's not trying to be like overly gangster. He, like he's just trying to make good records that people anywhere in the world might like. Mm -hmm. And that's a and that is a very different mind state than I think a lot of people, especially Especially those who kind of uh, grew up in love with uh, with rap here in America are used to. So, so mentally and emotionally, a lot of people fight against what Drake is doing. 
personally, I, I think Drake's phenomenal, and uh, and I, I love his approach to to things because whether he's rap or not, he does in a, in a lot of ways. To your point, Dave, harken back to you know the days of the polished professional performer. Yes, and uh, and I personally like to go to a show where I'm going to see somebody yes. who puts on a really great show. Yes. Um, because I've also been to a thousand shows uh, with, uh, as... Uh, <laughs> I'm spending my money. I want to be yeah, well yeah, yeah, I want to be a professional yeah. artist. Yeah, but I, you know, I've been to a thousand shows. You know, I, I, was it uh, Steve Harvey, he, uh, one of his stand-ups years ago, you know, he said, you know, I, I just don't understand rap because, you know, there's 40 boys on stage and they all have a microphone. You got 40 boys with a microphone and I don't, and you can't understand what anybody's saying versus Drake, who's like, he's he's hearkening back to one performer, maybe one hype man, maybe. Generally, they don't even have a mic. It's just maybe one other guy on stage with him and he's he, he's spent a lot of money and time putting together the visual display and everything else behind him because you came to see the star. He doesn't have a bunch of dancers crawling on the stage. Did you notice that uh, in the first couple of songs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah guys all strapped out in leather and they spent more time crawling around on the stage than they did actually dancing. <laughs> and I'm going, what the hell is this? Well, if you saw Saturday Night Live this past week, Keenan Thompson did a great, yeah. great skit. No, I missed it. It was phenomenal. Miss. It ended up, is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It was like, Getting ready to do the song, and there's like 20 featured performers. Exactly. 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 At a certain point. But now, I will I can, say. I can go a different way. Molly Cyrus surprised me a little bit. She had a great visual of the ocean behind her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of cool. Yeah, actually, I, I, what she you know, did I, there. I think Miley went through a period of, uh, to tell you the truth, I really think it was just a period of growing up. And um, and I think she's come out on the other side. She's a lot polished. A much more polished performance. She's trying to. Yeah. Uh, go I thought different. that was a good performance. I'm going to go a different direction since we're talking about just uh, stuff of the week. Yeah. And I would say to Ben, mm-hmm. I believe this, the cocktail that you described was invented on Friday night. Yeah. Which uh, he invented for a friend that we had in town. And oh, is incredibly delicious, incredibly cool, mm. and one of the, uh, if anybody doesn't know, Ben's one of the best mixologists in town, and to be able to create that on the fly was stunning and cool, and so impressed our yeah. friends that they were blown away. That's they awesome. were in from California, and they didn't know anything about Kansas City, and blah, 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 and uh, truly blown away by that. So That's fantastic. Uh, thank you for doing that. Hey, my pleasure. Was, yeah, I love doing that. So yeah. I was very, very impressed. All right. So on that note, I think I am going to end this podcast in the way that I end all podcasts. And that is with the toast that started it all for me. And that is to good times with good people.